Hey friends, I am so excited to introduce you to my good friend Sam today. This episode is packed full of not only amazing information that we as business owners and parents of little need to take into consideration of things that we can plan for um, in estate planning or if anything were to happen to us that documents that we need to have in place. But this episode is also full of some amazing content that Sam just talks about what it was like to become a lawyer with a brand new baby and what it has looked like for her in transitioning back into full-time work and then stepping back a little bit and what it was like to see some of her peers moving forward in their careers and what it was like for her as a brand new mom. I love my sweet friend, Sam. She's a part-time attorney and a full-time mom to two little boys, and she has a little girl that we are so excited about due this summer, and she has a wonderful husband named Justin. She graduated from Creighton Law School in 2016, shortly after the birth of her first child. She's worked in Omaha, Nebraska as a state of planning attorney at Elder Law of Omaha since 2016, where she found a passion for helping families plan for the future and preserve their assets for their legacies and children. I can't wait for you guys to meet my friend, Sam. Hi there, I'm Jenna Kutcher. I'm the host of the Gold Digger Podcast, and I'm so excited that you're hearing me right now because that means that I get to introduce you to my friend, Michelle Hagen, and her podcast, The Busy Years. Michelle is a mama on a mission dedicated to inspire other women to chase their dreams and their passions no matter what season of life they're in. And I've gotten the privilege to mentor and coach Michelle. She was one of my top 10 students in my community of over a thousand women, and she helped lead and inspire other mamas just like you. And now you, my friend, you get a front row seat. So sit back, relax, and get ready to be inspired. Hi, I'm Michelle, a sales and profitability strategist, mentor, and captain of your cheering squad. But most importantly, I'm a Midwest wife and mama to two spirited boys, and I'm a lover of learning, family vacations, and nap time. I built my business between the moments of motherhood, and I know that you can do it too. Being a mama is hard, and no one should have to do it alone. That's why I'm bringing women together to share their stories of motherhood, business, and blessings. So grab your coffee, wash your dishes, hey, even take a shower, because we can do this, friend, in the middle of motherhood. You're listening to the Busy Years Podcast, where motherhood and business meet. Come tired, leave inspired. I want to tell you about the new community that we have over on Facebook for the Busy Years podcast called Hey Mama, Let's Connect. This is a place where you can come and connect with other like-minded women just like you who are in the busy years of motherhood that are chasing their dreams and looking for more. This is a place where you can come and share the amazing things that you're currently doing, get advice, ask questions, and get more information on the Busy Years podcast episodes. I'm going to be in there every now and again, teaching live, answering your questions. And I hope that this is a place where you can come and feel community in these busy years of motherhood. Come tired, leave inspired, my friends. Check out this episode's show notes for a link to the group or head to michellehagan.com slash podcast to get connected. Hi, Sam. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Hi, thank you for having me. Um, you and I know each other so well that I feel like I could tell your bio to everyone and tell your entire story. Um, you have such a unique story of becoming a mom and a lawyer that I cannot wait for you to share it. So why don't you give people kind of back it up to when you were in school and what that looked like and having Dom and becoming a lawyer. Ooh, the ultimate surprise. Um, so I got pregnant in law school. Uh, he was a very unplanned pregnancy, not unwanted, but very unplanned. 
Um, so I was very newly married and we were planning on waiting for a while, but um, we had other ideas. And so I actually got pregnant in my very last year of law school. And I actually had to be induced. Um, oh, he was overdue, but I had to beg my doctor to induce me because I had finals in a week. And I was like, I can't go another week because I'm literally going to like have a baby in the middle of a final. Um, so I had, I had Dom um, my like last month of law school and he got to go with me to my finals, um, put him in his little carrier and we went, um, we went to Creighton and the teachers, everybody was amazing. So I'm very lucky for that. They would like take him for me so I could take a test. And um, I got, I was very, very lucky that they were such a supportive community, but um, I finished law school with a baby. And then um, if you don't know, you take the bar after you are an attorney. Um, and so you take it, uh, it's usually the July or you can take it the following February. And a lot of people pressured me to like take it the following February since I had this newborn. And I was like, well, I don't really wanna do that. Like I kinda like work so hard. I wanna just be done and be a lawyer. Um, so I made the decision to go ahead and take the bar in July, knowing that my baby would be three months old. Um, so I studied for the bar, which is very, very intensive with um, a newborn. So that was really interesting. And my husband had just taken a promotion. So um, I was very much on my own with my newborn sitting for the bar. Uh, so it was a lot of like really, really early mornings, really, really late nights, but uh, we did it. And then I, so I took the bar in July. That was uh, definitely probably one of my proudest accomplishments because so I was, I was breastfeeding um, and my baby did not take a bottle. He was only three months old. Um, I'm sure some take them earlier, but we had made some attempts too late and he wasn't taking a bottle. So I had asked for breastfeeding accommodations, which is a thing for the bar. Um, they told me that usually they're much older. Um, so they weren't quite prepared for me. Um, every 90 minutes, I had to pause my test, go in the hall and nurse my baby and then come back in and my test had gotten uploaded completely every single time. Wow. So I basically have to start like the next section. Whereas everybody would get like, everyone else had like a full morning to do their bar exam. Um, on mine was broken into 90 minute sections. So I could not go back. I had to like really know my stuff because I couldn't, oh, wow. I couldn't go back to like fix anything or um, whereas somebody would have three hours for like two sections, I would have 90 minutes for a section. It was, it's hard to explain if you haven't done it, but um, that was very, very challenging. And the first day I actually was going to walk out and I was like crying in the hallway and I'm like, I'm done. I failed this. Like, there's no way I can do this because I don't have as much time as everybody else. Like that's what it ended up being. Um, and so I was going to walk out and leave. And one of my, one of my friends actually stopped me in the hall and was like, you can do this. You had a baby in law school. You can do this. And I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to finish the bar. And uh, so I finished it. It's a two, it's a two day test. You, you test for like, you know, like six hours a day or something like that two day test. Um, and then, so I, I completed it. And then, um, I found out that I had passed and I had passed well enough that I'm actually, I can be admitted in every single state. So I actually did really well. So oh, wow. probably one of my, one of my proudest accomplishments was taking the bar with a, with a nursing baby. Um, but yeah, I did it <laughs> that was done. Um, and then I started working, um, at elder love Omaha which was extremely family friendly. And um, that was great. So it actually kind of worked out. I did not think it was going to, but it did. Um, so yeah, that's how I, that's how I went from a new mother and a new attorney in the same, same breath. That is, cr I didn't know that like you didn't get the same testing time. I just no. thought that they like had extended your time when you no. told us about that, which is also so crazy to think of like, yes, they accommodated you like, okay, you can nurse, but then we're going to take away well, your testing time or technically they didn't take away time, but like how it works is like, so the sections, each section is three hours. Um, mm -hmm. and so you have like, but like, so you might have like two or three questions cause they're very like long questions and you have like, you have like a uh, three hours to answer those questions. Mm -hmm. And instead, so like, you might take like, you know, an hour and 45 minutes or even like two hours on one question because you know the other question's easier or you like know it better. And so you can kind of like split your time that way. Like you can kind of self-monitor, which is how I studied. Mm -hmm. um, I wasn't sure what my, they don't tell you what your accommodations are until you get there. Um, Cause they don't want it to be like an advantage. <laughs> it's not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so I got there and then I realized that like, instead my accommodations were going to be that my time was split. 
So it, I would have like, just like straight time. So they, my test was more split up than like everybody else's. So like I had the same amount of time for every question instead of being able to like modify how much time, like self monitor, how much time I gave a question. Mm. So that was, and also like, I couldn't go back. Like if I had extra time, I wouldn't be able to like go back like for multiple choice to like check answers or anything because I just, I, it was, I had to upload my test every 90 minutes. Mm. So it was like every 90 minutes I had to start over. Wow. So did your husband just like stay in the hall with the baby the whole time? That's actually exactly what he did. But then he couldn't, he couldn't contact, he couldn't like see me because he couldn't like slip me answers or anything. And so he would actually hand my baby to the proctor and the proctor would walk, you know, the 10 feet to me and hand me the baby. And then they would walk me to a separate nursing room. It was, it's like, it was a production. It was so crazy. Yeah. I but, just can't yeah. imagine because I know because I have my insurance license like when you take that test and they wand you down and you're allowed like one bathroom break because yeah. ours is not near as long as the bar but like to then think oh in there your brain probably was like oh I can know my baby's normally hungry at this time or like can you know is he crying and those yeah. things going through your head on top of taking your test it was it was terrible. And I remember one time I came out and like, Justin, like, didn't know that I was about to, Justin's my husband. He didn't know that like, it was time for like a nursing break. And he was in the middle of changing the baby. And you have like such like a finite time to like nurse Mm -hmm. and like Dom had just like blew out of his diaper and he's literally on the floor of this hallway, like trying to change him. So he's all stressed out, like trying to get him dressed. I can nurse him. I'm stressed out. And I'm like, it's like, it's a poopy diaper. Like in any other situation, like, you know, not a big deal, but um, but yeah, so it was, uh, it was a very bonding experience. It was, uh, probably one of the, one of the hardest things I've ever done, but I hope I, if that's the hardest thing I ever do in my entire life, like I'm, I'm okay with that, Yeah. <laughs> but also like, um, that's not the worst thing I guess you can go through. So I guess I'm lucky. That's the hardest thing. Yeah. So tell me about what did it look like when you went back to work and working, I know that that kind of has changed for you over the time of having Dom and um, that you went back and kind yeah. of then pulled back. Will you just kind of talk about what that looks like for you as like a mom in realizing what your capabilities were? I guess I don't know if capabilities is the right word, but like <laughs> what your capacity was Yeah, um, sure. like in that time. So when I started working, I went to work full time. Um, and I had a great in-home daycare. It was wonderful. Um, so Don was at daycare full time and that worked out for a while. Um, probably about a year, maybe ish. Um, then like I had said earlier, my husband had accepted a promotion. So he was working a lot of hours and, um, he did not have the flexibility. He's a car salesman, which doesn't sound super demanding, but it really was. And so he did not have any flexibility. So all, all of the like childcare needs and stuff landed on me. Picking him up from daycare by the time that it need like that he need like daycare clothes like five thirty was on me, um, and it became a really bad, big struggle because a lot of times I wouldn't get done with work until five thirty, and then like daycare closes and or networking events started at four to six, and I had to make the choice whether to go get my kid on time or I mean a lot of times I would pick Dom up just to bring him to another sitter, and it, you know it just didn't feel good. I didn't like the way that that was that that was my life. Cause then I was like, I only have such a short time. I would pick them up and then there would be bedtime, you know, like you, you get them by like six 30 from the next sitter. And then you have to go to, you know, put them to bed. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was really hard. So we did it for about a year. And then, um, I had gotten pregnant again and then me and my husband and had decided that like, you know, maybe I just need to cut back my hours so that it make this more doable. Cause we were kind of preparing for that, that next child. And then we ended up having a miscarriage, but it was kind of a blessing in a way because it made us realize that first, number one, we did want more kids. And then second of all, that like maybe where we're prioritizing our time is a little bit different than what's, you know, maybe what we thought. And so then I actually cut back my hours and started working part-time. And then I was home with Dom more. Um, and then, um, cause Justin's job was still really demanding. And that was, that was fine at the time because he was, um, he was, a, he was, getting more income than I was. Um, so we just kind of like, we have this system where we take turns. Um, that's what we call it. So right now his career kind of has, it's his turn per se. And so my career is able to be flexible. And so 
um, when our youngest goes back to school, it's going to be my turn. Um, you can't see my air quotes, but I'm mm -hmm. doing air quotes. It's my turn to like really pursue my career. And then he is, his career will take the back burner. So that's kind of how we've decided to like um, divide how we pursue, like, you know, where we're going um, developmentally and um, I guess developmentally is not the right word, but career wise. Yeah. And so, so I, we, I went down to part-time, even though I had that law degree and then I was home more. And then we ended up getting pregnant with a baby that, um, that we have now full-term pregnancy and with Luca. And then I, um, I started working, I would continue to work just part-time with them. And then, um, we put an office in my house and I work from home mostly, but I do, I, I can go to the office. And so that's what it kind of looks like now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Will you talk a little bit about, um, just cause I know you personally, I know a little bit more of your backstory. So, um, will you touch on, because I know so many moms have guilt around pursuing their passion or like taking their kid to daycare. And I can remember when Dom was real little and you had said to me that you were like, I just feel bad because everybody that I went to school with was further along yeah. in their career than you were. Yes. And I can remember I telling you like, no, you're just on the path that you're supposed to be on. Can you um, talk a little bit about like kind of how you overcame that struggle of realizing like, it's okay that I'm not following the same path as everyone else. Sure. I mean, I wish I could say that I have overcome it completely, but um, I would be lying to say that because it's still sometimes when I still see um, one of my friends announce that they're like online for partner or accepting a clerkship at like a federal court. I mean, I still, I still feel like the, like the spikes in my heart, like that could be me. Like if, if only, you know, um, <clears throat> and I, I still struggle with that a lot. But I think I have found, um, I found unhappiness with where I'm at. Uh, and it's been really helpful that I have, I have friends that I've connected with on such a deep level, like as mothers, mm -hmm. and I've gotten to be able to prioritize being a mother and my success in my career is always, um, I'm always like, you know, up, upheld and congratulated when, you know, when I get like a big client or something like that, I have, I have supportive people that, that they can kind of um, raise me up like where I'm at. And I think that's just so important because instead of like, needing to announce where my success is, um, like on Facebook or something, it's more of, um, you know, I, I got all my work done today. You know, mm -hmm. I got, that's, that, that alone is an accomplishment. Like somebody is congratulating my, my small accomplishment of being a mother and pursuing like whatever my career looks like at that time. Um, but I mean, I, I, I still do struggle with it. And to be honest, um, there was a time when I really was not working a lot. Like after I had my second child, um, and I, I was work, I was working very, very part-time, like really more of a stay-at-home mom. And I remember being so embarrassed that I, that my, my classmates would find out that I wasn't working. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember like feeling like being very, very aware of like what time I posted things on Facebook, because if I posted something at two o'clock of something that I had done, then they would know that I wasn't working. Like, you know, like, like really stupid things like that, mm -hmm. that I was just so aware of. I would be sure to like post things at like six o'clock and not say when it was like, just be like, had a really good day. Thankful for a sunny day. Like not like, you know, today was great. I would be very vague. And then, and then I just kind of got over it and I don't know what happened, but I was just like, no, this is where I'm at in life. And I'm loving it. And I'm having a great time. And I, I spend the morning at the park with my kids and during nap time, I crank out some estate plans, um, you know, but then I make supper and I share a bubble bath with them or something in the evening. And when they go to bed, I, you know, crank something out again and I, I work really hard. Um, and that's what my life looks like. And I, you know what, I'm just, I'm so lucky. I think I've realized that how lucky I am to have this. I don't think a lot of women have the option to pick and choose if they want to be home with their kids or work. It's just, unfortunately it's not always an option and, and I'm lucky and I, I have that option. Um, so I'm, I'm learning to celebrate it. I'm learning to feel very thankful. Um, but to say that I'm there, I, that would be a lie. Um, mm -hmm. I would love to be there where I am just like full empowerment, you know, be who you want to be. And I think that's, mm -hmm. that's great, but, um, I'm still working on the acceptance of, of prioritizing a mother more than my career. Mm -hmm. And I, that sounds terrible to say, but um, sometimes I just, I mean, especially being in quarantine, 
I tell my husband all day, you don't know how jealous I am that you get to go to work. Uh I would love to go to work, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so it's, it's, but it's a process and yeah. Yeah. And I don't think you have to like feel bad. I think it's just sometimes there are moms who like their calling in life and like they were made like them just being a stay-at-home mom is what fills mm-hmm. them and that's yes. 100% okay and I mean you and I have mutual friends that yes. I know exactly like you were made to like you were be made to be that mom and be the stay-at-home mom right um, and I feel like I wasn't made to be a full-time working mom but I was made to be the hybrid mom I agree yes and that's how I feel too but you know, what was weird. So when I was staying home a lot more, like when I really was not working very much, I just wasn't making the extra take on clients or anything. I realized that like, I was getting really depressed because I had to overcompensate. Mm-hmm. Like if I was going to be a stay at home mom, I had to be the best damn stay at home mom. There was, okay. you know, like my husband needed to come home to a home cooked meal and homemade bread and the laundry would have to be done. And I was stressing myself out so much. Like, okay, if I, Cause you know, I'm a perfectionist or I'm, I'm an achiever. So like, if I'm going to do something, I've got to do it the right way. Mm-hmm. I have to do it better than anybody else. So it's like, if I'm a stay at home mom, like I have to look the part, play the part. And it, I was just getting so obsessed that my husband was like, just like, stop, like, let me come home to there being a mess instead yeah. of like you feeling like panicked that, you know, I came home early. It was just, it's, it's so silly, but, um, uh, he, he, he must be so happy now because I have just, <laughs> I'm just the epitome <laughs> of a relaxed stay at home mom now. So yeah. um, he's actually think I think he's folding, he's home today and he's folding laundry upstairs because tell you what, I'm not doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Cause so, sometimes um, it just has to be a not to do. Like for me, yeah. it's either like my house is really clean and my business takes a back seat or my business yes. is in front and the laundry sits there for like a yes, week and I'm absolutely. like I don't know go find your underwear in the and I don't think that there's anything wrong with that because mm-hmm. like I, I honestly like if my kids are happy my kids are fed um you know maybe sometimes clean clothes but like the kids don't want to wear clothes anyways like you're fine mm-hmm. um it's just it's it's all in a balance and it's it's not it's not a it's not a comparison it's not a race um okay so one of the things uh, my husband actually told me was so I would tell him all the time, like of how jealous I was of like these women that were being so like, um, being so successful in their careers. And I'm like, well, I could, I could be that. I could be that. And he's like, yeah, you could be that, but you know what? Like jealousy is the thief of joy. I was so like, just like focused on like what I could have been, could have, would have, should have, that like, I was just not enjoying the moment I'm in. Mm-hmm. And it was like a great moment. So like having little kids are some of like the happiest, best moments, um, that I, I think I've ever had. And I'm like, you know, I, I'm to just like, enjoy it. It's just, it's such a wonderful, wonderful thing. Um, so yeah, I mean, coulda, shoulda, woulda, but I mean, I'm just so lucky for these moments right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, so that kind of transitions us into talking about today. You're going to kind of give us the rundown of as parents and young families what we kind of need to have in place to protect ourselves legally and make sure that our kids are safe and well taken care of. And I know that this kind of has, I don't know if a special place in my heart is the right word, but because I come from an insurance background, I know the Uh importance of having all of these and have always recommended back when I had clients that they needed to be pursuing and connecting with people on these. So I think that it's very important. Um, so I'm going to let you go ahead and give us all of your knowledge for sure. Thank you. Um, so for the record, I went to law school to be a criminal defender, like, um, do criminal law. (laughs) (laughs) I now do, I now focus on like family estate planning and, um, I wanted to do criminal law because I felt like I was helping people. Like I was, I was helping, um, a population that needed it. And you know what? I found that passion in estate planning for, for young families. Um, so I work at Elder Law of Omaha, which people think like estate planning, it feeds into that stigma that estate planning is only for old people. You know, mm-hmm. you go get your will done when you're close to death. Um, that's just not true. That's not true at all. And really um, planning, planning for your future, planning for your assets now is probably more important because we have these little people that we have to think about 
Um, so there's really like, there's several documents that you absolutely need when you're a growing family. Really anybody needs them, but some of them become more important when you have those little people that you have to think about too. Uh, so the first ones that I always, everybody should have, I don't, I mean, I don't care if you are, you know, 19 or 99, when you're a legal adult, you need to have these powers of attorneys. And that's what gives somebody the ability to make decisions for you if you can't. Um, so there's the first is a financial power of attorney. And that gives them the ability to make financial decisions with you if you cannot. Um, this is anything. This is signature power. This is accessing your bank account, paying your bills, all of that stuff. Just because somebody says that, you know, oh, I'm their husband, I'm their wife, I, and we share all these accounts, that's great. And maybe they'll let you continue to, to pay those things. But keep in mind that if you and your spouse are both your signatures are on something, a car loan, um, a mortgage, something like that, if you need to get out of it, you also need two signatures. So God forbid your spouse is incapacitated, your partner's incapacitated, you need two signatures to get to move out of that house and to, you know, already make a hard time worse by having to figure out what do we do about this signature. So the financial power of attorney gives me the signature power. It gives them the ability to make those financial decisions if you cannot. Um, the second one is the medical power of attorney. This is some, giving somebody the ability to make medical decisions if you cannot. Um, this is a little bit different than the financial power of attorney. The medical power of attorney only is enacted when a doctor says, I am so sorry, you know, Mr. So-and-so, Mrs. So-and-so, um, he cannot make, she cannot make any more medical, financial, or complex legal decisions. They're, they're incapacitated. At that point, you must have a financial power of attorney because you can't do anything. You cannot legally sign something that's even remotely complex. Um, and you must have that medical power of attorney so that somebody has, could, has to make your medical decisions. Um, and that's, you know, that can be an array, like you can give, kind of give consent for a band-aid, but you can't give consent for, you know, open heart surgery, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, and right now, so right now we're, we're in a pandemic, which is really scary. And a lot of young people have to think about mortality in a way that we really haven't ever had to. Um, and I hope we never have to again, but being on a ventilator is really more of a possibility now than it probably, and I hope ever will be. Mm -hmm. um, that's a very scary proposition. But if you are on a ventilator, you are incapacitated, you cannot talk. You will need somebody to make those medical decisions for you. Um, that includes uh, saying yes to an experimental drug, moving you to a long-term rehab facility. Those types of decisions must be made by somebody because you cannot make those if you are on a ventilator. Um, and a lot of people will say, oh, well, you know, my husband, my wife can make those decisions. Not necessarily. The doctors don't know your relationship just because you show up and you say you're somebody's wife, somebody's husband, they don't know if you're estranged. They don't know if you are in an abusive relationship. They're not necessarily going to let that spouse make those medical decisions just because you say you are who you are, you are, you are or you're, you know, the parent or a good friend. You that your relationship does not, is not a qualifying factor for you being able to make decisions. That's why those two documents are so important right now. Um, we're looking at unprecedented times and we're looking at needing to make unprecedented decisions for each other, which is, which is really scary, but there's ways to, there's ways to handle that. So, mm -hmm. so right what, now, oh, go ahead. So what happens like if you don't have that, how you were saying, like, we need that, let's just say you can't make any of those decisions and, or even like you're in a car accident and you are right. having to go into surgery and those decisions are having to be made. So if you don't have that to where your spouse can make those decisions, who gets to make the decision then? So in an emergency situation, um, you will hear that somebody was able to make an emergency um, decision for their, their significant other. And that, that tends to actually be the case. You know, it, there's debate on the legality of that, but um, usually they will defer to that person that shows up in the ER with you to make that decision. So that's in that emergency situation. The alternative to both, um, to not having somebody make long-term decisions for you is if for, if for medical decisions is called a guardianship. That's basically how I said that they don't know what your relationship is. You go to a judge and you prove what your relationship is. You prove that you can make prudent decisions for this person. And a judge actually says, okay, yes, I, I believe you. Um, I, you've shown me the evidence that you can make the decisions for this person. Um, that's a, that's a bit of a process. It's, it doesn't, it's not, you just, you know, bring your files to the court and the judge says you have to, it's, there's court dates, there's filings involved and it's very expensive. Um, but it can be necessary if you need to, if you need somebody to make long-term decisions for you and you have no other alternative. Um, you know, if for our children, we are always, 
we can prove they're, we're their parents. That's easy. We can continue mm -hmm. to make their decisions. I can't, if I'm incapacitated, my husband's incapacitated, I can't prove that I am the best decision maker for him if he has not authorized me to do so just because I'm his wife. Um, because that might not even be the case. Maybe he wouldn't even pick me, you know? So you have to be authorized. The alternative for the financial private attorney is called the conservatorship. Same thing. You have to go to a judge and say, yeah, I can take care of their money. Um, I'm, I'm prudent. I have, I, I have their best interest at heart. And you actually have to show evidence to the court, to the judge, and be appointed that position. Um, that's the alternative. And if you don't believe that this happens, you are wrong. This absolutely happens to young people. The next ones are the wills. And a lot of people are very concerned about these and they have every right to be because this is who you, in the will, not only do you disperse your assets upon your passing, which is great, cool, but people are way more considered about, um, way more, sorry, they're gonna be way more concerned about who is gonna take their children if they cannot. Um, Cause you wanna be able to pick that person. You don't want it to land necessarily like on your parents or somebody to raise your children because they've already raised children. Maybe they're and maybe they're elderly or in out more elderly years, or maybe you have a sibling that you're closer to, or that you like their parenting style more, and you want to pick them as your guardians. Or maybe that's not the case, and you you don't feel comfortable with them being with family, and you want a close friend to take your children if you can if you cannot care for them. You get to make that decision in there, and you should make that decision. You should not let it just fall to somebody um, that the state deems is acceptable because acceptable and the best choice are very different. Yeah. Um, so you want to choose who your guardians of your kids are going to be. You want to handpick that. But not only that, um, when you pass, there's probably going to be a lot more assets than you realize. So there's life insurance policies. There's a sale of a home. There's a sale of a car, savings accounts. Um, just because you don't feel like you have a lot of assets right now, you probably have more if you were to die. And I don't want that money going into my 30 year old's bank account. Not only is he now going to be open for financial abuse, um, but say nobody touches his money and that's just his risk care. Great. I also don't want my, my now 16 year old to have access to hundreds of thousands of dollars. Mm -hmm. Absolutely not. I don't trust him. Um, love him. Don't trust him. So <laughs> he's not even, he's three. <laughs> I know. Yeah, but Tom, Tom. <laughs> no. Can you imagine? Ugh. I see that decision those kids make. Um, he lied to me about having blackberries ate this morning. I don't trust him. Um, <laughs> so yeah. So basically, and you also get to plan, like you get to sign a trustee and it, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be the same person as a guardian, but you have a trustee that's going to monitor their the assets they're going to give them what they need they're going to um pay for things but then also you you can you can plan to have like outright disbursements at certain ages like you know 16 you know they can buy their first car so you plan for a disbursement at 16. um at you know 18 19 they might be going to college you can plan another um large disbursement to you know pay for textbooks pay for a new car to get to back and forth to college those types of things so it allows you to kind of parent beyond the grave um and protect your assets because you've worked hard, you've planned, you've and not only worked for that money, but you've, you've planned for your money, you have life insurance policies, you have a mortgage, all these really great things that you, you don't want to just be squandered if something happens to you. You've, we make these decisions for our children. They should continue to benefit our children. So um, that will is very important because it, it builds a trust for your kids that's going to protect your assets while still protecting them, um, assigning that guardian. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, that's what's so important about having a will um, for your kids because you have those guardians in place. And that's, if, if you can't parent your kids, I, I want to know that I picked the best person to parent my kids. Mm -hmm. I think a lot yeah. of parents share that. Yeah. And I think it's surprising just from being on like the insurance side. And that is like one of the questions when you sit down with the financial planner that they ask you of how mm -hmm. many people are like, Oh, I wrote something on a piece of paper that's at home. Ugh. <laughs> So like, does that count? Will that, you know, uh, so it does. Um, <laughs> I, wanna, I almost want to say it out loud. So, um, in Nebraska holographic, that's called a holographic will. Um, if it's, you know, executed correctly, like you truly, you can, you can have a holographic will. They're just, they're very easy to contest, which means fight them in court. Mm -hmm. Um, so they're just, it's not best practice. There's a crazy case law about, this is a true story. Um, a farmer had like fallen out of his tractor and was, he knew he wasn't going to make it by, by the time somebody got there and he like etched his will on the side of a tractor with like a pen or something like that. And they are, they probated it. Wow. Um, but it's yeah. So, I mean, holographic wills are allowed in Nebraska. 
they are just truly are not best practice. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's also saying that like, it's not in other states, that's maybe not allowed. Cause I know like we have listeners that are all over the country. So just because it's allowed in Nebraska doesn't mean in another state that that's allowed. And keep in mind that the requirements for a holographic will, they're, they're very, um, they are quite strict though. You have to have, it has to be um, dated, signed, your assets have to be, you know, um, you have to basically show in the holographic will that you do have, you're in the right state of mind as you're doing it. Cause, and that's why they're so easy to contest because, um, you know, if you're dying on the side of a tractor, are you in the right mind? Mm-hmm. So that's, we, we plan for that in our wills and we have a self-proofing affidavit that you literally state, I am in my, I am of sound mind signing this document. Um, so there's, they're, it's, they're easy to contest. So I do not recommend anybody does that, but I mean, yeah, it's, it's acceptable in Nebraska, but don't do it. It's very, <laughs> they're not, they're just, they're not good. Yeah. Um, there's, there's ways around it. There's, there's definitely ways around that. Um, the other thing to think about too, is when people, um, before I move on to the living will, which gets very mixed up with the last will and testament, there's, even if you are like going out of town for a while, you, you need to assign a temporary power of attorney for your kids. You need to assign those temporary guardians. And that's very easy. And that's found on most states, Supreme court website, where there's other forms and you um, just Google, you know, temporary power of attorney in your state. Um, because even while you're gone, if you're, especially if you cannot get to your kids within like the two hour period, you want to have that, you want to have something set up for them. Even though you have your will and stuff, you want somebody to be able to make those decisions for your kids if you cannot, even just like taking them to the ER and you're not going to be able to get there. Um, so that's a temporary power of attorney is also really good. It, it assigns those temporary guardians um, for your kids while you're on a trip. So something also to kind of keep in mind, even if you're just going away for the weekend, it's a very quick document. You just assign a temporary guardians for your kids while you're gone. Mm-hmm. Um, very easy. So just keep that in mind. It's a good, good thing to have. Um, and then the last the last document that is very, very important is the living will. And this is always, always, always mixed up with the last will and testament. Everyone's like, oh, I need to get my living will done. I need to get my living will. Um, yes, you do need to have a living will. That is absolutely true, but it is not what people think it is. Mm-hmm. The living will is your end of life care. It is the will that basically says um, how you want to be treated at the end of your life. And also at what mm-hmm. point do you want to be allowed to be let go? At what point do we remove life-sustaining equipment? That's the living will because it, it, um, it, it affects you at your life. Whereas the last will and testament is your last will and testament after you've passed. So they're very different. You do need to have that living will done, but everyone's like, oh, I need a living will to assign the guardians of my kids. Nope. You need a living will, but you need a last will and testament to assign guardians of your kids and where your assets are going to go. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, but that's, and there's, um, there's, you will hear the living will be called so many different things. It can be called an advanced directive, a physician's directive, um, a five wishes, a Catholic directive. There's a Jewish directive. Um, that's all these different names, but at the crux of it, it's the same document. It's my end of life care. And at what point do I want to be removed from life saving equipment? Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a gift for your family, a gift for your kids that they don't have to make those decisions for you. That that's, that, that that's done. Um, excuse me. Um, we all know the like Terry Shivo cases mm-hmm. that was very traumatic where the parents and the husband were fighting over when to allow her to move on. Um, and so basically this, this is, this is how we avoid that. Mm-hmm. We make sure that your decisions have already been made. It's just planning for everything. Yeah. So does that also go into a play like where you'll eventually say, do not resuscitate, or does that become something like when- a DNR a do not resuscitate? That's a medical document. That's not a legal document. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's a mod- that's a, a common misconception as well. A DNR is something you fill out your doctor's office. Um, if you are, if you know, you're getting that surgery or as, as I, there's usually it tends to be elder, el- more elderly people that want that. Um, a DNR is, is different. You should if you want a, a DNR, you should have that, um, and you can make note of that in your last will and testament. But that's that's a medical document, whereas the last um, excuse me, not last will and testament, the living will, the living will is a legal document. So those are actually mm-hmm. two completely separate things, um, different. They kind of run parallel to each other. They don't even really intersect because a DNR says um, do not resuscitate me. So it's that that's that that click um, that quick decision of whether to allow them to continue to live if they've gone into cardiac arrest. Um, that that living will is they are in a, a sedentary state. They are, um, 
basically incapacitated permanently low brain function at what point do we allow them to be removed from vaccine mm-hmm. equipment okay. a lot of stuff a lot of uh, a lot of things that we don't like to think about but it's it's um it's it's so important yeah um it's just like you know understanding how your how your life insurance policies work how your um how your car insurance policies work it's mm-hmm. just it's it's this is the same kind of thing it's not super fun to think about to talk about but it's it's so important and i actually i tell people that um, you know, you have, you have house insurance, you have car insurance. This is the insurance in your assets. This is insurance on your kids. This is, um, you know, it's, it feels like another, another cost, especially the young people. And we don't have, we don't have a lot of extra money, um, mm-hmm. to spend on these types of things. It's, it's like, why would we want to do this? Why would you not? Because this is literally planning for your kids. If you can't be there, this is planning for how your decisions are going to be made. This is literally this, this touches every single decision and aspect of your life. Um, I would actually argue that having this in place is more important than house insurance because the likelihood that something can happen to you or your family is, you know, arguably more likely than um, your house t- catching on fire. And if your house catches on fire, then you need this document too. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, this is, I will, I, I tell people this is an essential document. This is like, this is like insurance. Mm-hmm. Um, so you do need to have this. So what if people are saying, you know, you talked about the costs and as young people, so many times people think like, well, there's like, I don't know, legal zoom or pre-made stuff, or can I just Google it and get what's off the internet or is there different costs or which pieces of these, you know, um, like how much does a lawyer cost type thing? What do you say kind of in, that was kind of a loaded question there, but about just what do you say to someone who's like, well, I just don't know if I can afford this and what do I use? And can I just Google something? Right. Okay. So there are some options. So I, I, the first, the first one is I I do recommend seeing an attorney. There is a, it truly is a correct way to have this done. Um, And most attorneys will work with young families. I know I absolutely do. I will do whatever in my power to make this work. Um, there are usually our levels of documents you can get complex or simple. We can talk about options, those types of things. So if you can, um, I would definitely recommend seeing an attorney. It's not as expensive as you would. So usually a good plan is anywhere between five and $2,500, which, which can seem like a lot, but keep in mind that this is only a one time cost. You're going to be paying for this. It's done. You're not going to need to re-up it the next year. You're not going to need to really even change anything unless you want to for a very, very long time. You really should only be doing this a couple times in your life. You're going to be doing this now when your family is growing. And you're going to do this again when your family, when you're an empty nester, when your assets look very different, when you're thinking about more about retirement than caring for young kids. So this is this is more of like a one-time cost. That's that's it's it's important to maybe even, you know, budget for with a tax return or something like that. Like it's one of those one of those big things, like, like a new car that you need to kind of budget in and really think about. Um, but I get that it's expensive. The options to not do are something like Sue's Orman's plan, or there's even like a Dave Ramsey one. Those are not necessarily even legal or valid because there's not a one size, fit, excuse me, there's not a one size fits all across states. First mm-hmm. of all, different states have different requirements. Um, and second of all, it's just, they're just, they're not, they're very, very easy to mess up. Um, same with legal zoom, legal zoom is better. Um, mm-hmm. but it's very, very easy to mess up. One little thing can make it easy to contest, which means somebody can fight it. Um, and there it's easier to win if there's these mistakes. Also, there can be, you can actually do things that you're just not aware of that, that invalidate your document. If it's not notarized correctly is, is an easy way to do it. Or if you don't notarize it, um, if it's not signed correctly, those types of things that like are small and we think that they're insignificant, they can have a very detrimental effect on the validity of those documents. So LegalZoom is, is probably okay in some circumstances. It can be used if it's, it's better than nothing. Those pre-made plans from like Dave Ramsey or Suze Orsman is the worst one. Um, I, I just, I truly do not recommend those. Mm-hmm. The other option is a lot of um, on their, on your Supreme Court websites for each state. So like Nebraska's, they do have some forms that you can use um, and they, and you can, you have to get them notarized. You have to sign them correctly. Well, you'll do that with the notary, but those can be used. They're more general. So they're not really equipped to handle any weird contingencies mm-hmm. or different situations that families tend to have. 
um, but they're but they're valid documents, and so those can be used too. So you can get on your Supreme Court website and try to find something. Um, most most will have it, um, and you can fill out something like that. That's always it. And then um, creating your own will is is doable too. If you look at the requirements in your in your state of what is required in a will, mm -hmm. um, the main things are how you how it's signed, how it's notarized. Um, our initials required, those types of things. So these can be done yourself. They're, it's, not, it's not out of the realm of possibilities to do these very, very affordably by yourself. That's definitely possible, but take the time to research what the requirements are. Um, that, that will definitely be on your Supreme Court website, um, even just a Google search, mm -hmm. um, and then do them correctly. But the, it can be done. First choice is an attorney. Second choice is do it them yourself. Yeah. Um, but just have them done. Have them. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's such good information. And I hope that um, people take it because we didn't even go into like also having these as a business owner is super important because yes. then you are going to be delegating where does all your business stuff go? So, right. you know, on top of having a family, because if you are a business owner as well, there's a whole nother piece that goes into that as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's different attorneys specializing in that business the more business estate planning, that's, that's a very important piece. It's, it's all around. You need to plan about all those, the things we don't want to think about. We, we need to plan for death. We need to plan for incapacity. It's, it's, it, it stinks. Nobody wants to think about that, but it's, it's important. Yeah. So tell me if you just had like a short time with a mama, like an elevator ride to say why they need these documents. If they were like, nah, I don't really need that, Sam. What would you say? I think I would link back to it. It's an insurance policy. If you love your kids, show them how much you love them um, by planning for them, by making sure that they're cared for if you can't care for them. Mm -hmm. And that's all it comes down to is, is we always want to give our kids the best. And if I, I'm the best, but if I can't give them me, mm -hmm. what's the, what's the best thing I can do? And that's yeah. having, that's planning. Yeah. Oh, so good. All right. So my last question is if you could give any advice to someone deep in the little years of motherhood, what would it be? Oh, I think I would say give yourself grace. And I'm, I'm sure that most moms do say that, but give yourself the grace. Um, some days I wake up really early and I get all my work done and I make them a healthy breakfast and we do an educational craft and it's great. And some days I sleep through my alarm and my work is late and we're having Pop-Tarts on the couch watching Blippi. And those days are going to happen. And I just give yourself some grace. Nobody, nobody is supposed to be perfect. I don't like perfect people though. They make people uncomfortable. So give yourself grace. Yeah. Yes. I 100% agree. And I love how you touched on like that you get up in the morning and do it, do your work. And some days you then make breakfast, but some days yeah. it runs long and it's okay. And um, that's fine. I feel like that's becoming a kind of a common theme as I talk to moms that are also trying to run a business that it is knowing that sometimes if you put the TV on or have to yes. something else to do that it's okay and it's not the end of the world. Yeah. I also think that sometimes it's good for your kids to see that like my my mom's are accomplishing something or absolutely. You know, because the other day, it's funny, I asked Turner, I was like, so what do you think mommy does when she works in her office? And he said, oh, well, you help other mommies and you podcast. <laughs> you know, so it's, they understand and know what's yeah. going on. And it's just knowing that that is okay, too. I think it's also important for kids to know that, like, you know, our time is valuable. And I want to, I want to use it on them. But mommy is more than just a mommy and, and they're more than just a brother. They're more than just, you know, whoever they're going to be. So I, I guess I'm thinking of Daniel Tiger right now. And then <laughs> Daniel Tiger, like, you can be more than one thing. Um, <laughs> we love Daniel Tiger at my house, but I mean, like, I think that's also great for them to see. I think it's great for them to see that, that you're podcasting, that you're working, but then like you come down and play trains, like, like what, like what an amazing, like diverse person that they get to witness. Like, I think that's, I think that's, that's great. And all those working moms that, you know, you don't have to be the best stay at home mom. You don't have to be the best working mom. You don't have to be the best balance. They need to see that you're human. They need to see that you can, that like mistakes happen. McDonald's happens. Um, <laughs> an hour or two of blippy happens. Like they need, and they, they need to know that like, that's, 
that's part of life as long as we're trying. And I think that's like all we can offer our kids. That's the best we can offer them is do your best. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. So tell people if they want to connect with you, where can they find you at? Uh, yeah. So I work at Elder Law of Omaha. Don't let the name scare you. Um, we help, I, I tend to be, I take, take more of the younger clients. Um, but that's just cause that's like what I specialize in. You can always email me at Samantha at elder law, Omaha. There's no oven there. Just elder law, Omaha. Yes. I just want to make sure that was right. <laughs> dot com. Um, and then I can always be reached there. Um, that's, that's how you reach me. I would, I mean, I would love to help anybody out that, that hears this. If you, if you, if you mentioned you heard me on this podcast, I would, I will offer you a, a 10% friends and family discount. So love to, love to get in touch with anybody. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. And by the time this podcast comes out, you might have another baby. Maybe. I hope so. Well, maybe <laughs> we'll have to we'll see. see. Yeah. And it's a girl this time. I have two boys and then we're going to have a girl. So yeah. Oh, uh, keep well, you thank posted. You. Thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, thank you. I'm so glad you're doing this. This is great. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Busy Years Podcast. This episode's show notes and all past episode show notes can be found at michellehagan.com slash podcast. I would love to put a face to the listener. Come over and join me on Instagram at michelleannhagan. Or you can join me in our private Facebook community just for the Busy Years Podcast listeners called Hey Mama, Let's Connect. This is a community where you can dig in a little bit deeper to your dreams, share your dreams out loud with like-minded people, let people cheer you on in what you are currently doing to chase your dreams, and learn a little bit more about our episodes, and I'll even pop in there every once in a while to teach live. I can't wait to see you and meet you, my friends. Hey Mama, did you need someone to remind you that you are worthy of your dreams? That you can take action in the middle of motherhood? I just wanted to pop in and give you another reminder, friend, that you got this. You can do this in the middle of motherhood, no matter how busy the years get.